Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to Breaking Down Bad Books, a podcast analysing trashy bestsellers from a literary perspective. And today we're looking at chapter five of New Moon titled Cheetah. Cheetah, cheetah, pumpkin eater. So where we left off, Bella was hearing voices on the street and she makes this link in her brain that, oh, when I do something dangerous, I'll get a subconscious vision of Edward. So I'm going to keep doing dangerous shit. I mean, that's, that's her, that's her brainwave. And I don't know what type of science is behind that. Mm-mm. Not too sure on that. So we start this chapter with her at Newton's, you know, cause she's working at the backpacker store or whatever it is. And Mike's like, oh, Bella, why don't you just take off? Because she's clearly bumming everyone out. <laughs> she thinks it's just because there's only a couple of customers and it's the end of the day, but I think she's bumming Mike out and Mike's like, bitch, why don't you just leave? And Stephanie describes the customers as being dedicated backpackers. And Mike's been talking to them about two different types of brands of lightweight packs for an hour, she says. So these dedicated backpackers are really starting from scratch, apparently, at Newton's Backpacker Store. And then she tells us that they take a break from talking about pricing to one-up each other with stories from their latest hikes. They're not newbies, but Mike's selling them on the benefits of a backpack as if they've never hiked before. But I think there's a point to this scene. So the two backpackers start bragging about this big animal that they've seen. And he's like, yeah, it wasn't a black bear. Black bears don't get this big. It was like a grizzly. But on all fours, it's tall and big as a house and pitch black. And he's like, I'm going to report it to the ranger. People ought to be warned because this is only a few miles away. And so us who are in the know are like, that's a werewolf. Although how this little backpacker is confusing a wolf and a grizzly bear, I don't know. I don't know what he, he thinks. He must think he's discovered a new species or something. But, but for the discerning reader, we're figuring out that it's Jacob's pack. Oh, and also throughout this whole conversation, Stephanie doesn't give them names. She just refers to one of them as Leatherface. <laughs> how rude is that? She says he was tall and lean and his face was tanned and wind whipped into an impressive leathery crust. Yuck. What an unpleasant description of a customer. (laughs) And the other one's thick set with an orange beard that didn't match his dark brown hair. So I don't know if Stephanie's just being, (laughs) being a bit, a bit of a bitch, 
or Bella's describing them because she's just spoiled from Edward's beauty that everyone else is leather and crusty and the hair doesn't match. Although having just watched all of the movies recently, Edward's hair doesn't match from movie to movie either. What was going on with Robert Pattinson's hair? In Eclipse, he had these huge mutton chop sideburns and then in Breaking Dawn, it was back to normal. I couldn't, I couldn't get a handle on it. And also the mechanics of a vampire death changed every film. He was in broad freaking sunlight in Eclipse and Breaking Dawn and there was barely any glittering happening. I mean, the consistency was just all off, but we'll get to that when I eventually break down the movies whenever that happens. So Bella leaves the store and it's raining outside. Another thing that just doesn't happen in the movies anymore. It's just barely ever raining. Fox looks lovely. And she tells us that she had nightmares last night after seeing the zombie movie, but she wasn't having dreams about the zombies. She has nightmares all the time because she got dumped. Like at this point, I'll be thinking, you're being a bit precious. Like it's already been four months. You had that little seasonal depression, October, November, December, January type moment. And now you still have nightly nightmares. Like at what point do you think, maybe I should seek some professional help? Because. Yeah, it's, it's fine to be upset, but, but nightmares because he dumped you. She didn't have nightmares over the fact that he was a vampire. He was watching her sleep for months, wanted to kill her and drink her blood. No nightmares about that. She got attacked in chapter one. Jasper tried to kill her. Let's be real. She's already almost been killed by James and she's having nightmares about being dumped. I mean... And even Charlie's over it. She says initially Charlie would run in and see what's wrong. But even now she wakes up screaming and Charlie doesn't even come in to check on her. She says he was used to it by now. Oh boy. And then she tells us what the dream actually is. And, and I really think she's overreacting because it's just like trees. She says it's just an endless maze of moss covered trees and it's really quiet and dark. And she's just always searching through this forest of trees and never finding what she wants to find. And then she can't remember what she's actually searching for. And when she realizes that there was nothing to search for and nothing to find, it's just an empty wood. That's when she wakes up and and is screaming. So I guess the whole Freudian interpretation of it is that she's reliving when she was running through the woods after he broke up with her. And also terrified that she's going to forget he ever existed. But surely the mere fact that you're dreaming about it every night is an indication that it's not slipping your mind anytime soon. No one here thinks you're actually going to forget that he existed. Edward's like, it'll happen. I removed all photographs, like that'll do it. And I'm like, yeah, she probably can find a yearbook with your photo in it, mate. I doubt you scrubbed your entire existence from Forks. And just because you don't have a photo doesn't mean you can't remember it. Remember the old lady from the Titanic? She says it had been 84 years and she didn't even have a picture of him. And yet she still remembered Jack. Rose still remembered Jack without any photographic evidence. So Bella and Edward, I think your point is moot. Debunked. Old lady from Titanic proved you wrong. And then she's telling us how she wished she could feel numb again, but she couldn't remember how she'd managed it before. These are all warning signs that you need to get a mental health check. There's nothing wrong in seeking help for mental health. But then even thinking about the nightmare gets her thinking about the forest and she doesn't want to think about the forest because it's too painful. And I stand by the fact that Edward dumped her in the worst way possible. Why did he dump her in a forest? Yeah, it's cinematic, but you really shouldn't be planning your breakups around the mise-en-scene. 
And then she's getting really worked up thinking about how he said it will be as if I'd never existed. And she's getting so overwhelmed, she has to stomp on the brake, knowing that she shouldn't drive while this incapacitated. So so she's just stopping in the middle of the road, because that's better. Oh, instead of just driving while sad, how about I slam on the brakes in the middle of the road? (sighs) Like, I know Fawkes is a quiet town, but surely the roads get used still. Maybe at least pull over, scooge over to the side a bit. But no, she stops in the middle of the road, and then she curls up with her face against the steering wheel trying to breathe. She says trying to breathe without lungs. So I don't think Stephanie's trying to tell us that Bella doesn't have lungs. I think she's just saying she's trying to breathe without the air going through to her lungs. Maybe it's just like a shallow breath type thing. But she's breathing without lungs. All power to her for figuring that one out. And then she's just wailing on about the fact how he said, as if he'd never existed, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, what a stupid, impossible promise to make. Agreed. She's like, yeah, he could steal his pictures and reclaim his gifts, except for the car stereo, as we learned last chapter. But that didn't put things back the way they'd been before I'd met him. She's like, yeah, you took away the physical evidence, but I was changed. I was altered. My outlook is different. And you can't change that. So then she's thumping her head against the steering wheel, trying to distract herself from the emotional pain. So she's doing the Dobby. You know how Dobby would always hit himself when he said something that he shouldn't have said? (laughs) She's doing the Dobby. She's saying, Bella, bad Bella, bad Bella, bang, bang. (laughs) That was a bad Dobby impersonation, but you get it. So she's banging her head against the wheel. And then she's thinking how dumb it is that she had to promise to not be reckless. And she's like, well, who cares? I have no reason to not be reckless. And then she laughs because she's like, huh, reckless and forks. Now there was a hopeless proposition. So I guess she's saying like, what's there to be reckless about in forks? There's no excitement here. And I'm like, bitch, yeah, there was literally vampires in town. Like she knows the supernatural exists and was localized in this small town that she lives in. But she was like, nothing ever interesting happens in forks. Nothing dangerous can happen here. And I was like, what? You met a pack of wild vampires at a baseball game a little while ago, and then they wanted to kill you. Yeah, shit happens in Forks, babe. Meanwhile, she's just sitting in the middle of this busy road. There's your recklessness. A truck's going to come along and hit you very soon, I imagine. And she says to be reckless in Forks would take a lot of creativity, maybe more than I had, but I wish I could find some way. (sighs) And then she says, but how could I cheat on my side of the deal here in this harmless little town? So the cheater of the chapter is referring to either her cheating by being reckless in this small little town or Edward cheating by making a promise that he couldn't fulfill with the whole never having existed thing. As far as chapter titles go, it's a bit of a stretch. And then she's staring out of her windshield for a long moment. (laughs) I remember this from Twilight. A lot of moments described as being long or short or quick. When a moment is just a moment, but no, it's a long moment. Oh, and now she cuts the engine. So she was running the engine that whole time. So she cuts the engine and then she gets out of the car and is standing in the rain, just letting the rain wash away her tears. And she says it helps clear her head. And then after a minute of staring, yeah, it takes her that long to realize what she's doing. After a minute of staring, she recognizes where she is. She's in the middle of the North Lane of Russell Avenue, the middle of the lane still. And she says, I was standing in front of the Cheney's house and my truck was blocking their driveway. And across the road lived the Marxes. And then she sees a sign in the Marxes yard, you know, just a piece of cardboard with letters on it. And she's like, ah, sometimes kismet happens. Is this a coincidence or was it meant to be? 
And so they're selling a couple of motorcycles for sale. I don't know what, you know, the big coincidence is. She, she had a breakdown on the road, stopped and then saw a sign for motorcycles. And that apparently is a huge little bit of kismet for her to be reckless. Like, okay, all right. But she's thinking, hmm, Charlie always says motorcycles are reckless. And then she says, Charlie's job didn't get a lot of action compared to cops in bigger towns, but he did get called in on a lot of traffic accidents because, you know, there's long wet stretches of freeway that twist and turn through forests with blind corner after blind corner. You know, huge log haulers barreling around turns, knocking over pedestrians, and yet here she is parked in the middle of the road. So you're aware that you're being a nuisance, but you don't give a shit. And apparently Charlie had always made her promise that she'd never ride a motorcycle. So then she sloshes through the rain to go to the Marx's front door and rings the bell, all while still parked in the middle of the road. She could have pulled into the driveway. You know what? Hey, I'm going to go buy these motorbikes. Maybe I'll just pull off the road into the driveway. So it's easier for me to get the motorbikes into my truck, but also to get off the road, which I know is a hazard. So then one of the Marx's boys opened the door. The younger one, the freshman, she can't remember his name, but he opens the door and he goes, Bella Swan. And she narrates, he had no trouble remembering my name. Like, okay, what a little brag. You don't remember people's name, but they remember you. Like, you're not that special, babe. And she doesn't even say hi. She doesn't even say, oh, sorry to drop in. But she says, how much do you want for the bike? (laughs) And he's like, you're serious? They don't even work. And then she's sighing impatiently. She's like, oh, this was something I'd already inferred from the sign. And she says, how much, like how much attitude is she giving to this unnamed Mark's boy? And he's like, hey, if you want one, just take it. It's trash. And he's like, all right, well, do you want me to help you load it into your truck? Because he's a nice boy and she's being a bit of a bitch, but she's like, yep, that'd be great. (laughs) A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot, maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, 
at Plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. <laughs> Not afraid to ask for help. And she says, yep, that'd be great, but I only want the one. And he's like, ah, take both. You might need parts to service the other one. So he loads the heavy bikes onto the truck for her and he seemed eager to be rid of them. And he's like, what are you gonna do with them? They don't work. They haven't worked in years. And she says, I kind of guessed that. So she's just full giving him attitude. And then she's thinking about how she's gonna get them fixed. And she's like, well, apparently the local auto shop guy is a bloody rot. He's always ripping people off. So everyone goes to Port Angeles instead. And she's like, I've been lucky with my ancient truck. Uh, I was really worried about my truck going to have problems, but it didn't ever since Jacob Black fixed it up. And then she's like, ah, Jacob Black. So that was like a long train of thought to get to Jacob. And she says, you know what? I know someone who builds cars. And so I believe she knows cars and motorbikes are different. I suspect she's aware of that, but she must think, you know, cars, bikes, all the same. So she's going to go to Jacob Black to fix a bike. And the poor Mark's boy, still unnamed, is like, oh, okay, bye. And he waves and is smiling as she pulls away. And she thinks, friendly kid. Not enough to say, what was your name again? She just thinks, friendly kid. So she races home. Then she gets there. She calls Charlie at work. And he's like, what's wrong? And she goes, can't I call you at work without there being an emergency? Like, how stroppy is she this chapter? She's just being a bit narky with everyone. And he's like... Well, you've never called me before, so is there an emergency? And she's like, no. And yet, Bella, you've caused a lot of trouble for this man. We had a search party a couple of chapters ago for you. You also ran away to Phoenix and then fell down a flight of stairs, wink, wink. And you almost got hit by a car in the school car park. And this is just the stuff Charlie knows. A lot more has happened that Charlie doesn't know about. So yeah, I don't think you should really be narking on him for thinking there might be an emergency when you call him when you've never called him before. But she just says, yeah, can you give me directions to the Black's place? I'm not sure where they live. I want to visit Jacob. And Charlie's like, oh God, that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Bring in Jacob. Charlie should have brought Jacob in months ago. So he gives her directions and then she's racing over to La Push because she doesn't want him to know about the motorbike. So she's trying to do this all behind his back. Because she wants to be dangerous so that she can hear the voice in her head of Edward yelling at her. And she really just couldn't think of any other way to be reckless. She's like, well, I've got to build a bike in order to be reckless. And yet she was standing in the middle of the road and Edward didn't say anything. Subconscious Edward didn't say anything, I should say. Because it's not really Edward. See, these are all the sorts of things that you could unpack with a therapist. You could unpack these things, but no, she's just going to do it all on the fly. So she gets to the house. Jacob hears her coming because, you know, the ancient truck is so loud. She's always got to tell us it's an ancient truck. And so he comes out and he's like, Bella. And he's got a huge grin across his face and his bright teeth stand in vivid contrast to the deep russet color of his skin. Oh, she loves to tell us the color of people's skin, doesn't she? And he's got his hair down, literally and metaphorically. So he's not wearing a ponytail. He's got his long black hair black satin curtains, she describes them, on either side of his broad face. And she's like, hmm, he had grown into some of his potential in the last eight months. So she's like, yeah, I can see, see some solid muscles. 
I can see some tendons and veins that had become prominent under the red-brown skin of his arms. So, so a second reminder of his skin. She's like, hey, if you don't know what colour russet is, I'll just describe it again later. It's red-brown. He's got red-brown skin. And she's like, his face is still sweet, but his cheekbones are sharper, his jaws squared off. And so she's, she's describing a hunk. She's thinking, hmm, Jacob's a hunk. But also, I think he's still only like 15 or 16. I mean, she's 17, so, so it's not weird for her to be admiring a, a person that's two years younger than her, I guess. But also, this was written by a middle-aged lady. Just something to keep in mind. And Bella's like, hey, Jacob. And she feels an unfamiliar surge of enthusiasm at his smile. And she's like, huh, I'm pleased to see him. And she's shocked that she's pleased to see him. And she's like, you've grown. And he's like, yeah, I'm six five. You know, anyone who's over six foot loves to know the exact measurements that they are. So they can always tell people like, yeah, I'm six foot. Yeah, I'm six two. And she says he says it with self-satisfaction, but his voice was also deeper and it had a husky tone. She's just full describing Jacob Black for us. Really, really going into a lot of detail on this guy. And then he pulls a rubber band out of his pocket and ties his hair up into a ponytail. I feel like that's important to note. Well, Stephanie feels like it's important to note. So we didn't have a ponytail, now he's got a ponytail. This is, this is character progression. So then Jacob's like, hey, dad, guess who's here? And Billy's like, well, look who it is. And Billy's like, everything okay with Charlie? And she's like, yeah, he's fine. I just wanted to see Jacob. I haven't seen him in forever. And then Jacob's eyes brighten at her words and he has a really big smile. It looks like it would have hurt his cheeks. Oh, poor Jacob. She's using you, buddy. She's not really there for you, mate. Oh. And so Jacob's like, all right, well, Bella, what do you want to do? And she's like, oh, whatever you were doing before I came. And he's like, well, I was just heading out to the garage to work on my car. And she's like, that's great. I'd love to see your car. So they go out to the garage. He's been working on some old car and she fakes interest in it for a little bit. She's like, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh. And then she gets to her ulterior motive and she says, hey, what do you know about motorcycles? And he's like, "Mm, some. My friend Embry has a dirt bike. We work on it sometimes. And she's like, well, that's great. She says, I recently acquired a couple of bikes, (laughs) but they're not in the greatest condition. I wonder if you could get them running. So she's like, here's some scraps do what you will. And she's like, yeah, but don't tell Billy or Charlie because Charlie hates motorcycles. And Jacob's like, I got you, boo. And she's like, I'll pay you. And he's like, no, I just want to help. He's saying this not having seen how shitty the motorbikes are, but he's like, yeah, I just want to help. And she's like, well, how about I give you one? So isn't she generous? She's getting all of this labor from Jacob and she's going to give him the bike that he fixed himself for free, even though she got it off the side of the road for free. Why does Bella think this is a fair trade? She says, how about a trade then? I was making this up as I went, but it seemed reasonable enough. No, it didn't, Bella. Pay people for their labor. Pay them for their labor. And then she piles on. She's like, well, I only need the one bike and I'll need lessons. So how about you take the other bike and then you can teach me. So she wants him to fix two bikes. Give her one of the bikes that he's fixed and then spend time teaching her how to ride the bike and all she's contributing is a free bike that she picked up from the side of the road, which is trash. And he's probably going to need to buy parts. Well, he's, he's most definitely going to need to buy parts. Is she going to chip in? I really hope so. I really think she's swindling him. 
Then she's like, wait a minute, how old are you? Can you even drive yet? And he's like, yeah, I'm 16. And she's like, oh, sorry, I missed your birthday. And then he's like, oh, sorry, I missed yours. What are you now, 40? And she sniffs at that because remember, aging is a touchy subject for Bella Swan. And then he says, well, we'll have a joint party to make up for it. And she says, sounds like a date. And his eyes sparkle at the word. She knows what she's doing. She's manipulating this poor boy. And she sort of knows that he's getting the wrong idea, but she's just enjoying how happy she feels in the moment, how light and buoyant. So she's experiencing all these little happy, light, carefree feelings, but she's like, but I really need this bike so I can be reckless, so I can hear Edward yelling at me in my subconscious. My medulla oblongata needs to hear my ex-boyfriend yell at me. So let's just give up all these feelings of lightness. And then Bella says, maybe when the bikes are finished, they can be our present to ourselves. So she's not even going to get him a birthday present after he does all this free labor, after he teaches her how to ride a motorbike. Out of all the goodness of his heart, she's not even going to get him a birthday present. She is Renee's daughter. Renee of the empty scrapbook. The shit gift giving doesn't fall far from the tree. So they go get the bikes. They wheel them to the garage. And Jacob's like, oh, this one isn't that bad. This one's actually an old Harley Sprint. Might be worth something when it's fixed. So the poor Marxes didn't know what they were getting rid of. And she says, that one's yours then. And he's like, oh, are you serious? And she's like, absolutely, as if she's fucking Santa Claus. She got them for free off the side of the road. She never mentioned this to him. She's never said, oh, by the way, I paid nothing for them. She's just leaving that out of the conversation. Oh, okay. So then he says, you know what? These are going to take some cash to fix up. We'll need to save. And she's like, no, we, I'll pay for it. So she is contributing. She says, I've got some money saved, college fund, you know. And she thinks college schmollage. She's not going to go to college because she has no desire to leave Forks because Forks is where she hung out with a boyfriend for three months. They only dated for like three months and she can't leave the town because she wants the memories of of their little three-month relationship. They kissed twice. (laughs) But no, she's just giving up her whole future to stay in forks of all places just because she dated a vampire for a few months. What, What a waste. What a waste of a bright young mind. Because I do hate her, but I mean, she does have some skills. She was doing good in math, remember? She's been studying and doing well at Calc. And she's also got an affinity for English. So she's a bright young girl. Oh, and she's pissing it up the wall. College smollage. And then she's just thinking how lucky she is that she thought to go to Jacob. She thinks only a teenage boy would agree to this. Deceiving both of our parents while repairing dangerous vehicles. Using money meant for my college education. She's like, he didn't see anything wrong with that picture. Oh, well, I do. She says, Jacob was a gift from the gods. And that's the end of the chap. So what a breath of fresh air Jacob is. Oh, we needed it. We needed it. If we had another Port Angeles trip with Jessica to the movies, I was going to scream. I was going to scream. No, thank you. So it's good to see her perking up. It's good to see it. And the next chapter is titled Friends. So she's going to start meeting the rest of the pack. Great. New blood. Let's get some more characters in this business. Really looking forward to that. And also, I just want to quickly mention over on the Patreon, we are on a wild ride over there. So if you're missing sex scenes, you know where to find some. We're covering 365 Days by Blanca Lapinska. It's trash. She just used a metaphor that I've never heard of before in my life. And I doubt I'll ever hear it again. She said Massimo was as erect as the candle in her birthday cake. As erect as the candle in her birthday cake. 
I tell you what, I almost fell off my chair when I read that. I was floored by that. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Well, the tip of the candle for for the weirdness and horribleness of that book. So if you're interested, head over to patreon.com slash breaking down bad books. Sign up to be a patron. It's about $3 US a month. It's one bonus episode per week every Friday. So if that's something that tickles your fancy, please join up, show your support and go on this ride with me. 365 days, guys. It's not messing around. Mm-mm. And I'll see you next week for chapter six, friends. Bye. Send your burning thoughts, frustrations, and grievances on this latest chapter of this shitty book to breakingdownpod at gmail.com or on Twitter at podbreakingdown and Instagram at breakingdownbadbooks. You can visit www.breakingdownbadbooks.com for all the listen links, contact information, merch, and more. To support the show on Patreon and gain access to exclusive ad-free bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash breakingdownbadbooks. Ratings and reviews on your preferred podcast platform are also a fun, free way to support the show. Breaking Down Bad Books is hosted by me, Nathan Brown, who you can follow on Instagram and Twitter at NathanBrown90. Thanks for listening and happy reading. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.